Hello and welcome. This is the Still Alive podcast. Yes, and I'm Mike. And I'm Sarah. And today's topic is video game immersion. So, what is video game immersion? Well, it's funny that you should ask that. I happened to look it up before we did this podcast. What a coincidence. (laughs) It's an experience that draws readers, players, or listeners into a world that the medium creates, whether it's video games, a book, or whatever. And it makes it seem like the reader or player or listener is actually a part of it there and they're completely absorbed into it so it's like the deeper the immersion apparently the better the game quote unquote but deep immersion has players make their own choices and take their own actions based on the context of the game's boundaries and there's a video game type called immersion sims where everything's open-ended and can be completely shaped by the character's actions open-ended gameplay and your choice actually matters in shaping your experience in the game now that's just the jumbled up technical description of what immersion is in gaming immersion can mean many different things though so yes and that's what we're going to discuss today yeah because i think it is just a hot button marketing term and it's not really anything serious immersion immersion take a shot every time you hear that at e3 yep Ooh, look at you look at look at the blades of grass look at the blades (laughs) so (laughs) with that said So what exactly is immersion in video games? So what do you consider immersive gaming? Oh, man. Um, What do I consider immersive in video gaming? Uh, Just being able to get sucked into the experience. Mm -hmm. Some things that help with that is the atmosphere in the game, sense of realism, but the ability to suspend belief a little bit. It doesn't need to be extremely realism. We'll get into that a little bit more. Having an attachment to characters, caring about what is going on with them, and things like what PlayStation 5 is doing with their controller, having the resistance triggers where it takes more pressure if you're drawing back a bow, or having audio come through the speakers, no matter how weird that baby crying from the ah, strand, yeah, stranding yeah, sounds. No, no, no babies crying. No so babies crying. <laughs> so just anything that gets me sucked into the game itself oh, yeah. without I, the babies crying. You know, I didn't even think about the uh, about the controllers when I was writing about <laughs> mm-hmm. this because I was more uh, in tune with the actual story and everything that pulls me physically into the game. The, I didn't even think about the controller, I guess. The, I feel like... We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I feel like sometimes the rumble strip takes me out because I'm like, ah, <laughs> something in my hands. But I mean, your mileage may vary. Um, by definition, like the whole thing seems very specific to me sometimes when it comes to video games specific- specifically. But like for me, like you said, immersion is about being drawn into the world and into mm-hmm. the story. I don't even think it even needs to have a, like a really, it doesn't even have to be the story. If I'm sucked into a game, and I lose track of time, I consider that an immersive game. So, like, it could be something... Now, this is funny. I'll get kicked around for this. Now, oh, boy. I think that Overcooked is an immersive game for different reasons than most people will think. I think that if Go you... Go on. Uh, well, I am a planner. So I get pulled into games that require a lot of strategy. So... It's ridiculous. The whole premise is very simple. It's just make these orders, get them out the door. But I quote my friend in this, my, my friend Rebecca, when we when the first Overcook came out, the three she, we invited her over and the three of us were just playing. And she turns to me and she's like, 
we can play one more game, right? And then I looked at him like, it's six o'clock. She came over at nine o'clock in the morning and it was six o'clock at night. And she said, oh my God, I got to get home. Now, <laughs> if you can lose tracks of time like that in a game, I feel like that's immersion because you get sucked into the experience. So I think game, being sucked into the experience counts for me. That's it's fair. Just, I never really thought about that either, but I, I I completely agree with that. After you giving the explanation, if you just said Overcooked 2, I'd be like, you're nuts. No, because like, I mean, the game itself, the 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 storyline is not gripping. But when you really get into a game like that, it could be quite immersive. And if you lose hours of your time and you're like, wait, where am I? What year is it? Then I feel like that's a check mark in the immersive box. Overcooked but- 2 is also one of the best zombie games ever made. <laughs> Yeah, it is. The Hangry Horde. The Unbred. So, like, <sighs> details are important. I think that's the part about immersion that everybody forgets about. Uh, details in particular. I feel like you can tell when a game is trying to be Im- trying to be immersive. And that can really have an averse effect. Whereas the more immersive games require players to have... that are ha- Things are more impactful, I feel. Whether it's you feel like, wow, this time is well spent, or wow, I feel what those characters are feeling, something like that. I feel that's what immersion gaming is to me. So outside of Overcooked, what are some of the uh, the most immersive games that you've played? Oh. Or is that a topic for later? That is a topic for later. I think just basically... <sighs> Sarah makes the outlines. Yeah. And I'm just reading through them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could skip over the second part and just go to the third part, which is what games are immersive. So I feel like to answer to answer question A that you just answered me or asked me, I have to an- ask question B, What's which question is B? based on the definition is game immersion a player by player basis. So before I answer that question with all the games that I feel like are immersive aside from my little overcooked, it's really in the situation that your mileage mileage may vary depending on what type of person you are. So like my huge example here is tabletop D&D. Now, um, there are a few types of players that I've experienced with the several games that I've been a part of. There are people who get really sucked into the minutiae of it, like the details, like the backpack weight, whether you can breathe, the tunnel collapses. And then other characters are like, oh, I am the character. I will be the character. I must role play, which is and all then there's fun. there's me. <laughs> people just want to go and have a good time. <laughs> what is the most ridiculous character I could come up with? Yeah, that. That's what I want to be. <laughs> And that's, you know, it doesn't really matter. There's no right or wrong way to play, I feel. But it it depends on the type of person you are. Like, I'm not a huge fan of micromanaging things. So I like to have a little bit more of a casual experience. And as long as Sarah could get a pet. Oh. Sarah cannot get a pet. She's dropping from that campaign immediately. So it doesn't matter (laughs) what it is. It could could be a little grasshopper or it could be a dragon. (laughs) As long as it could be her pet. Well, that usually... I make my character and the character doesn't have a pet to start, but I like to find pets, not necessarily. And sometimes it's completely organic. I'm like, oh, I like this. I need it to be a pet. Or it's just the first animal that she sees in the game. Oh, yeah. And it needs to be a part of my my clan. (laughs) Has anybody ever let you have two pets? No. I've allowed... They they have to have me interchange or exchange. And I'm not even a druid character half the time. I'm mostly... I usually go for the rogue. Or um, a monk. 
I go rogue usually when we play. Yeah, you do. (laughs) You're like, what can I be? What's everybody else? I'm not going to be that. Why would you kidnap the police? (laughs) That's a story for another time. (laughs) Yes, yes. So when it comes to player by player basis, I I guess if if you like the specifics of of games, you might find yourself more immersed in the type of games you really enjoy. Um, But some games require more intense experiences. I think, um, and it depends on what your, I guess, flavor is. <laughs> what flavors you like. Like, I I like a little bit of, uh, you know, the action platformer variety. And sometimes the JRPG variety. So yeah, the, the things that work for me are things that are a little bit more streamlined. Um, not so much the open worldness that used to, when I was younger... The streamlined story where I could just jump right in and get sucked back into the story. That's what's that's been my uh, my cup of tea lately. Hmm. So is game immersion a player by player basis? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it is. D- different things work for different people. You said the rumble on the controller uh, turns you off to the immersion where I'm a fan of the uh, the rumble controls. Look, I am a, I'm a fan of rumble controls when I'm fishing. <laughs> um with uh the case of D, if it's too immersive it breaks the immersion for me uh i like it to be simplified like the like managing your weight in your backpack and making sure you have enough food to go into a cave etc that doesn't work for me red dead redemption where you have to tie up your horse and take stuff on and off it as you play that's something that doesn't really uh, match my style. I I don't want to have to think when I'm playing. That, that kills my immersion when I have to think too much. Hmm. I agree with that. <laughs> and we will get to that too. Ooh, that's okay. going to be a fun thing. Well, uh, we're going like, to basically shit on things that people think are immersive. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some people that agree with us. Well, yeah. I mean, it it is, like I said, whatever a cup of tea is. If you that's what you like, that's what you like. We're not gonna we're not gonna make fun of you. We're just gonna say what we don't like about it. <laughs> oh, definitely not on air. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So, what games do you find immersive? Like you asked me that question, I'll answer it second. So, I want to see what you have to say about what games you find immersive. Let's try to think about games based on the definition, and then games that you think are immersive. Okay, games. By the definition, so mm-hmm. want to give me the definition again really quick? So the definition was basically something that allows you to shape the world around you, something that really sucks you in, uh, open-ended gameplay where your choice matters, deep okay. immersion where, you know, like, it, something like Red Dead Redemption. Okay, based off the definition, being able to shape the world around you, stuff like that. Definitely The Sims. No. Um, <laughs> that one is like, it's like a god complex, I feel like. <laughs> no, the games for me, games like Mass Effect, games like Knights of the Old Republic, by the definition, those are the type of games that really draw me in, where I get to mold the character, mold the world around me, make decisions that affect, every, affect outer the worlds. games going forward, the outer world. Oh, wait, outer worlds. Yep. I, I shipped it. Yeah, she shipped it. Vardy and uh, what's her name? <laughs> I shipped it. She shipped it. Yes. Yeah, so. Um. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much the by the definition uh coverage, right? Yeah. So I would. Well, so what games do you feel are immersive? Uh, outside of by definition, yeah. Uh, I know I was just saying about open world games not being so immersive for me, but 
since it's almost 10 years old now, Skyrim would fall into that category. Skyrim, Oblivion, Elder Scrolls before it, those games I've put hundreds of hours in. Games like Bioshock, Grand Theft Auto, where it has a full living world, that's another one that pulls you in. When the world feels alive around you, that's immersion to me. Elite Dangerous, in VR especially, where you're inside the cockpit of the ship and flying around an endless universe, I would consider that immersion. All right, so video game immersion for me, as far as by the definition, I would think that games like Dragon Age, or and you said Knights of the Old Republic, that's something I find immersive where you can make the decisions and shape how your character's uh, journey is changed. I also think that Chrono Trigger falls under that because there's several different endings that you can choose. So you could decide that you want to go in, uh, <laughs> take on Lavos right in the beginning if you really want to. You can get utterly murdered if you're going to do that, but you could try it. I mean... <laughs> I've never played Chrono Trigger, and that's a game that you haven't made me play yet. Oh, I should make you watch that. That should be your first get backseat gaming experience in a long time. What was so, the last one? I think it was I made you watch Twilight Princess. Oh, we, we, we should talk about it later. Backseat gaming immersion. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, so if we're going by pure definition, I think one of the best things, like what I would consider, and I think you've told me this before, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, I think you played it in VR. You said that was incredibly immersive. Anything in VR, I feel like, is automatically super immersive if you, if it's done right. I mean, good ones. games are. The, the really good ones, but there's not a, a ton of... Triple A type of games in VR yet. Most of them are very arcadey, and but but there are some that could be really immersive, like Half Life, Half Life Alex, ha- Half Life, um, Rec Room when it first came out. That was that's very arcadey, but that was super immersive. I'd get lost in there until three o'clock in the morning some nights. Yeah. So um, what I actually for my personal list of immersive games, I always go to Legend of Zelda because it's my favorite series and. Um, God of War, I feel like, is too when it really tells a story, like especially the the last one, <laughs> Doom. It really it lives in its own world, and I just get so pumped. <laughs> it's you just so much Doom fun. Guy. Yeah, it's so fun, and that's like when you're able to kind of yeah drop that, it drop everything around you and just get sucked in that world. And be like, yeah, I think one of a game I really experienced that was I, I was um it was funny because I was backseat gaming this one. Uh, it was Wolf Among Us, the Telltale game. And I remember, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, when certain things happened with Big B, I was super, super excited. And we're like, yeah, we're going to see it. This is going to be the big time. He turns the big bad wolf. Woohoo! Stuff like that. Yeah, Sarah I, literally jumped off the couch and screamed at the TV. I think we both did, actually. Yeah, it was really, really cool. It's just like when you when your story could build like that, I feel like that type of immersion where you like, the payoff to, is so worth it. Yeah, when the payoff is good, it, it's so good. Okay, so we covered what we think game immersion is. So what's so now that we know what it is and what we define it as, let's talk about how it can actually affect games. So what do we find immersive about video games just in general? What are the things that really jump out and make it something that makes it immersive? You could go first on this one. All right, so I think it's different strokes for different folks because some people think that maybe a character creation, being able to create their own character, put it in and make your own choices in the game, that makes you a part of the game and the atmosphere. So, I mean, if you get to create your character 
And that's who your avatar is throughout the game. And you get to make your sort of like Knights of the Old Republic. You get to make your own character. And then based on your decisions, you are either part of the light mm-hmm. side or dark side or more neutral, something like that. A lot of the uh, games like that do allow you to have that level of um, le- level of uh, control. I personally, I like that. But at the same time, I sometimes jump into these games, spend all this time creating a character and then play it for 20 minutes. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I made this cool character. I'm bored. Next. So, I mean, I'm someone who really enjoys following with storyline. And if something, I'm one of those people who really likes to play the good guy all the time. And if something happens that might destroy something further down, like Dragon Age, like ruined me because uh, (laughs) there was a certain quests in Dragon Age. I think it was Dragon Age 2 that I would complete. And then there's no way around it. Like, you lose certain people or certain people turn turn evil. And I'm like, I want to be able to prevent that. Is there any way I could do it? And there's no way to do it, even though it's supposed to be more immersive. I'm like, I hate it. I don't like it. I <laughs> don't want it to be like real life. So um, also. Games all- that are just like real life. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't want that. I want to be God mode. I want to be Doom guy, Doom Slayer, go around punching people in the face, ripping people's arms off and be like, yeah, you can't all tell happy. me what to do. Yeah. Happy 100% of the way through. Not yeah. like Dragon Age, where there's not happy stuff. <laughs> it's very dark at points. Plus, it's in the details for me. Like, I love the atmosphere games can create. If it has, like, for instance, it's not necessarily about graphics, because the graphics could be, like, 2D graphics, and I don't care. But the music has to be good, right? I feel like yes. when I'm playing Octopath Traveler, one of the things that I really enjoy about it is the music. And Final Fantasy is one of my favorite game series, and it, a lot of it is due to how great the music is. As a as a backseat gamer with uh, Octopath, Octopath Traveler and Final Fantasy, when you were playing that, the music is even more important to me because you you really notice the the music more than anything. It becomes the most repetitive thing in the world. If, and if you can master the soundtrack or the background music that's going for hours and hours at a time, it makes it so much more tolerable for as a backseat gamer for those, yeah, for those for like, more... Uh, for all those times I leave games. the game. <laughs> all the times I leave the game on and it's the battle music over and over and over and over and well, over. Well, no, it, it's one of those things. Like Even when you're traveling around uh, traversing the, the land... You're focused on the character, where you're going, on the map, your inventory, and all that stuff. As a backseat gamer, and you don't really watch me play those types of games that much, but as a backseat gamer, all that time that you're traveling and walking around and going through the inventory, I hear the same music on loop. And when I'm not really paying attention to those parts, because I don't need to really watch you, just traveling, that's all you hear is the music. So with Octopath Traveler, they really nail it. With Final Fantasy, they obviously nail it where it doesn't become annoying after a certain amount of times. But after 40 hours of hearing that in in certain games, it, it could drive you mad. And it could, re- could kind of kill the immersion as a backseat gamer, in my opinion. Well, it could kill your immersion as a gamer. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I mean, if it gets really on your nerves... It, it could really ruin an experience. Suspensely, like, I feel like adding voice acting to some games does that in in a sense because if you hear the same phrases over and over and over and over and over, oh my God. Like every single battle that you mm-hmm. win. Like, and it's, say? oh, 
She says a couple different phrases. I always hear the same one. I always notice the same one. Uh, yeah, you might. Like the hunt endeth or something like Th- that. That's it. That's it. That's the one. But it changes based on what the which characters you have. But they don't always say the same thing, which is fine for me. But uh, what I found really interesting was something like that that kept me going. Is uh, Final Fantasy X did this, and when you would fight, they would say a lot of the same things, but their dialogue did change based on the situation. And the mood of the game, which I thought was really cool. And sometimes they would have conversations after battles, which was pretty cool. Every game is The Sims. Every game that we're discussing with these decisions and their moods being changed, it all started with The Sims. The most (laughs) immersive game of all time. Where's The Sims 5? I'm still waiting. (laughs) I think they're still working on DLC for The Sims 4. They are. You could do laundry now. Not like you couldn't do laundry before. They had like a laundry DLC or something like that. Could you still remove the ladder from the pool? Don't know. It's been a while since I played. That's a staple. They better be able to. Well, uh, as far as I okay, so video game music atmosphere. How about like I said before with Overcooked, getting carried away into a game and feel like feel like you're stuck and losing time. I feel like carried away with characters and seeing how they feel. Like in the first few minutes of Ori in the Blind Forest, you know what that's about, and you're like, I hate you. This game. I hate you, game. Why did you do this? Why do you play with my emotions? Oh, talking about a game that get, gets everything right from the characters. There's no spoken dialogue. The music could tell the story alone in that game. And then the tears start streaming from my eyes in the first few minutes. Yeah, do, not watch, do not watch Ori in the Blind Forest if you po- <laughs> you're any months postpartum. <laughs> <laughs> that game is so good, though. Well, the website thought even exceeded it. Oh, God. That, no, I'm not talking about the game. It's going in the fridge. Go in the freezer. That game, I think I beat in three or four days. I think I put thirty hours into that over over a weekend, and I don't really, I don't really get sucked in like that too often. Well, no, it. I mean, it's beautiful. One, the music is outstanding. I mean, you said the platforming was very good. Oh yeah, it has to be. The story is clearly amazing. I think it needs more credit. Definitely more credit. <laughs> All right, so. The thing that kills immersion for me in a game is if uh, there's a character I can't identify it or uh, acts out a character, something like that could pull me out. I mean, yeah. I feel like as the type of gamer I am, I emote a lot. So like I am always wearing my emotions on my sleeves. I'm, I can easily identify with a lot of characters. And when something sad happens, it really affects me. So it makes it really hard for me to play any game that's, that's very emotional. So um, when something happens, I will scream, I will cry, I will get angry, I will throw the controller. I'm like, screw this game! Never playing it again. (laughs) So if that happens, I feel like that's an immersive game to me. If it plays with my emotions, gets me thinking, or gets me to buy in with what's happening on screen, I think that counts as immersion for me. You would hate The Last of Us. Yeah, no. I I watched you play the beginning of that. And then I was like, oh, I know what those creatures are. That's based off of that fungus disease that kills like ants and grasshoppers. Now it's on humans. Oh, no. But yeah, then I was like, no, no, no. This is not the type of game I could play. (laughs) Bye. I'm going to go play Mario. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody gets hurt in Mario. Except for the bad guys. Yeah. And they don't even really get hurt. They always keep coming back. No, I mean, they get beat up, but they always keep coming back. That's just their cousins. Yeah. They're they have dead. A lot. <laughs> They're a dead lot. for good. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> They're dead already. <laughs> you throwing fireballs at, 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 at little little 
turtles? Do you think they're coming back from that? No. Well, how turtle soup. <laughs> Tonight I dine on turtle soup. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> That's a great game. Turtles in Time. That's a great game. That's an immersive game. No. That one's just plain fun. I mean, yeah, you'll beat that game in one sitting. So, I mean, I guess there's a difference between games that are just plain fun and then immersive games, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. What about games that miss the mark and what makes it garbage? Because there are games out there that try to do the whole immersion thing and it's not real. It, like they completely miss the mark. Hmm. Games that miss the mark. Yeah, like games that don't really hit it. Like games that try to force immersion or they're like, yeah, we have immersion. Look at this. Look at this detailed story. Look at this detailed crap. Ah, I'm going to go with... Assassin's Creed. <laughs> no, uh, well, yeah, when they... when they That game, especially the early ones when they first came out, I actually consider them to be very immersive. Once you got pulled out of the Animus and then went back to modern day setting... That would always pull me right out of it. So, Assassin's Creed was was a uh, would fall under that category. Another one we just started playing was uh, that D and D game, Dark oh, Alliance. Yeah. yeah. And the camera zoom, the camera shake, where it's the features like that. The close ups on the characters work great in games like God of War, but when it's overused or not done well, like it is in the Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance game. Uh, or the control is bad where you have little control over your character while stuff is going on. Just natural stuff that has been developed in the games for years and years. And then when you get into a game that doesn't really fit that style that has that is tried and true and has been working, that that kind of breaks it for me. I think that um, uh, when you, they try to force anything into the game, like you said, Assassin's Creed would be a really good historical... like. Uh, historical fiction type of game. But then the whole part with the Animus where they try to like do all sci-fi and like over the... Like, okay, there are certain things in Final Fantasy that are canon to the series constantly. Like, if you're going to play a Final Fantasy game, it pretty much starts off like, you are here to save a kitten. And then, oh, we're gonna, you're going to fight God at the end. And it like gets like consistently worse. If I was going to say the game that does it the worst, it's definitely Final Fantasy V. And the thing that really breaks the immersion, it's a really cool story. And you can buy, you have to be able to buy into it. And you're able to buy into most of it. You're like, okay, these people, they're all interconnected. There's two worlds. You can jump back and forth. But spoiler alert, if you've never played Final Fantasy V, and you should have by now because this thing's like old, (laughs) like me. There's one point where you think you beat the bad guy and he transforms himself into a splinter and survives. And he's like, ha I was a splinter in this character's finger. And I just made Mike spit his energy drink all over the place. And it's shit plot points like that. That's like, okay, I can suspend myself for a lot of different things, but a splinter in somebody's finger that's just that's bad writing, and and when oh, it gets... that's that's so that's where uh, they got the idea. That's where J uh, J K Rowling got the idea for Voldemort being in the back of what's it said. So that's different because when you built in the lore and the whole splitting apart your soul, it takes time, and they could do that. No, it was literally you kill the guy, and then he gets away with it because he's a 
sliver and then he's actually a giant tree and it's like oh my god what were they smoking when they wrote this freaking script like i mean within the barriers of the game it's fine if it's already established that it's going to be that ridiculous like something like oh i don't know something ridiculous like duke nukem you know what you get when you get in that game it, it's not a good game, <laughs> but you know what you're going to get when you go into those games. Just like Grand Theft Auto, you know what you're going to get when you get into those games. Any type of games, like you know you're going to go meet up hookers and punch people and steal cars. <laughs> but at the same time, in a nutshell. Yeah, if you don't establish that stuff in the beginning and you're like, yeah, Splinter, I'm alive. This is great. It's like, okay. <laughs> I can't. Another series that does that, and it's like completely convoluted. I guess you have to buy into it now if you're a fan. But the Kingdom Hearts series, that that plot line is so watered down. It's like they're trying to be. <laughs> I'm dying it, it, over here. I don't know. It's trying to be something. I don't know what it's trying to be. But it's like, how do we marry Disney and Final Fantasy together? I know we'll be so convoluted that anything could work in this situation. Now, there's a difference between soft world building and, you know, hard world building where you're like really intricate, like J.R.R. Tolkien or you're like, um, or J.R.R. Martin or any other acronym. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. J.R.R. Martin. <laughs> J- what is it? R.R. Martin. George R.R. Martin. A lot of R.R.'s, E.D.'s, K.K.'s. What's with the J's, the K's, and the R's? I don't know. The All the, the acronyms. Whatever. If you're like a very high fantasy novel writer, you have very intricate details about your world now i feel like this is a good way to kind of explore immersion you have that kind of thing where you have more intricate details with those type of worlds and then you have something like hayao miyazaki's worlds which are a little bit more soft world building where they introduce different ideas and you kind of just accept them as part of the world they don't have to explain everything that's happening because you kind of accept it within the barriers of this this universe that he's created collecting fire yeah it's a thing yeah. You accept it. Yeah. It's just a part of the world. They establish that there's witches and wizards. Like, House Moving Castle is the one you're, you're talking about. Yeah. It, witches and wizards, demons. There's, like, you go into it going, okay, that, that probably exists in a world with the witches and wizards. And yeah, never, I've never questioned anything I've seen in his movies as making sense. Because it all seems to make sense within the parameter. And there's no set definition of what's allowed. But there's nothing too overarching that you're like, I don't believe this. I don't believe this to be a thing. And a lot of Final Fantasies do handle that well, but there are some that are just, like I said, Final Fantasy V will really, you know, kicks the dog into the field. I don't know what that means. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't say screws the pooch. Screws the pooch is just a bad you phrase. Just, but you just used it, so kicks the dog into the field. So much better. Can we, Yay. Can we get rid of that? Can we nope, that that's staying. That, that's not getting cut. Please cut that. We'll see. Get rid Second of cut. So it really just makes, it just really makes for bad storytelling. Let's just say that. And I feel like really bad storytelling like that really gets rid of the immersion. I feel like a lot of. Oops, that was supposed to go in the footnotes. <laughs> I feel like it's just bad. It's the bad storytelling is just, it just makes immersion worse. And if you can't buy in. I guess that's the theory. If you can't buy in, it's not going to work. I also feel like things that are too real life really take away. Like you were mentioning up at, uh, like, what was it, Red Dead Redemption? Tying yes. up your horse? 
Yeah, tying up your horse, packing your guns on the back, making sure you get them or else you don't have anything. That's a little bit too much for me. Yeah, I I hate stuff that has backpack limits or breaks weapons or has any type of real life crap. Because if I'm playing a video game, it's to get away from my real life. If I wanted to worry about backpack uh, you know, limitations, I would try to get my diaper bag ready for a trip to the zoo. That's easy. <laughs> That's a good way to figure out my backpack limit. How much stuff can I <laughs> shove into this diaper bag so I could take it to, <laughs> to the zoo? <laughs> like if I really wanted to do that, that would like and if I wanted to worry about things that would break, I would, you know, just look at my car. <laughs> oh, one thing we didn't discuss about things breaking, we, we talked about the weight of the weapons, but another thing that kills it for me is bad inventory management where you feel like you're constantly dropping things or emptying things i know it goes into the uh survival element for some people and it might increase their immersion and that ties in with why how everybody's different uh resident evil is the most recent one that i've played where you have to go into your inventory and you constantly need to remove stuff just keep me out of menus just keep me playing yeah i mean like you said some people like that uh i do not yeah and uh, it fits with the uh the genre yeah it's just the me thing i feel like that in the particulars, like the survival horror, inventory management is very, very important. But again, that's not the type of game. It's not a game for me. So I could see how that helps it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, inventory I'm not management. either. It, if, it fits the genre. It fits the older versions of the game too. But it's just it's just one of those things for me personally. Yeah. Because everybody's I feel, different. Yeah. But, but like in games like Skyrim, you have the, the bag... And you can hold up to so many fa- pounds. You, you just have one nail. And you, all of a sudden, that one nail is going to make the difference between whether or not you can carry anything else. That's that's crap. Well, Skyrim's pretty generous, though. Yeah. With the, uh, the amount of inventory you could hold. Not as generous as, you know, Final Fantasy. You have endless, endless pockets. And apparently in Legend of Zelda, Link is a mini tank and he can carry everything on his back. And I'm cool with that because I don't want anything to take away from my my gaming experience. I could suspend belief and think he carries all those things just so I can play and not have to worry about going to... Like, that's the thing. Link is jacked. If I had to... His muscles have muscles. Yeah. Well, if I had to stop a game... And go and get something out of my inventory and come back if I forgot something or I've left something behind. See, that's annoying to me. And that would be like, okay, this is stupid. That wastes... Well, our gaming time is precious. It was like this before. I can't say it. That's a patience problem for my, in my, my part. But if my gaming time is limited, I don't want to spend, you know, a half hour that I could be exploring a dungeon and going back and sw- swapping out my inventory. That's just crap. I have so many dungeons just littered with inventory items on the floor. Yeah. games like Skyrim. You go through that tunnel, you're going to get a lot of loot. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, you could be picky with the loot. I mean, when we, we used to play Neverwinter, yes. and we would pick up a whole bunch of stuff. And there's inventory limits in there. And I can understand that. But, like, we could decide which ones are going to be crap and what we don't have to carry. I I, I distinctly remember saying, I want to carry everything so I could sell it and get all the money. But, you know what? It's fine. You buy a I, bigger bag. I think I actually used... <laughs> used my add-on at my special thing my specialty at one point you can add it like a specialty and i used i chose being able to summon a merchant so i can sell everything because i have problems every game needs to have that added in yeah that was pretty great that was a great add-on i could summon a merchant and sell him all my crap but that's my choice (laughs) that was my choice in the middle of a battle fighting a dragon fighting a an orc let's summon a merchant 
Hey, I could. And actually, I don't think I could talk to him at that point. I think he would attack for me. I don't remember. Yeah, I wouldn't use it for that. Oh, in that game, I had a a sidekick. He was a wizard, and I called him Magic Mike. (laughs) And he was the dumbest companion I've ever had in my life. Anytime there was lava or fire in that game, he would just go and roll around in it and kill himself. (laughs) If there's a cliff about 20 feet from us... Let's walk in that direction and walk off the cliff. I think it's a shortcut, says Magic Mike. <laughs> That's another uh, bad AI is terrible for a game immersion. <laughs> yeah, but it's good for clips. Oh, yeah. Well, another thing that would kill immersion for me or is stuff that they pad into games, like to make the games longer like and seem more alive, but really aren't. Like additions, it's just a repetitive quests. Yeah, side quests that are the same, or have you collect a million of the same stupid little thing, or stuff that's just like, oh, solve this puzzle. Like yeah. I like solving puzzles. I, I love I like puzzles solving too. puzzles too. I, I do too. And it depends on the game themselves. Some of the Uncharted games have some really clever, really good puzzles. Same thing with uh, Tomb Raider. But there are some games that have terrible puzzles. We talked about Hellblade a little bit. That was probably the weakest part of the game was the puzzles in that game that moved in the next section. They're very mundane. So I'm I'm all in favor of adding puzzles to games. But if they're a drag and they take away from the experience, just cut them. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend 50 times like the whole game doing fetch quests. Again, not my not my type of game but it as far as and like i i enjoy the witcher from what i played of it and i enjoy um i enjoy the i those rich fantasy games in the western fantasy i feel like western fantasies do that more than anything it's just finding a balance between the right type of side quests see just to pad that runtime of a game you don't have to just shove things that don't belong in there it's just like adding multiplayer to a game that doesn't need multiplayer like if this game is supposed to be a first-person experience or a single-player experience, don't slap a multiplayer thing on it to make it work. If your game doesn't need the extra power, if you you don't want to just keep adding stuff to, but everything has to be multiplayer. No, I feel like that's in the same vein of adding extra content just to hit a a play time. People want to. I understand that people want to get the most out of their games and they want replay value. But is it really getting the most out of your games if you're doing the same five or six quests over and over again with just a different skin? Not at all. And that ties in with a lot of people tying in the amount of time they play a game with the value of the game itself. I would prefer a twenty to thirty hour tight story over a sixty to seventy hour campaign, where thirty or forty hours of that is just the con- the same quests. Uh, fetch quests or escort missions. Yeah. I don't want to waste my time. I Like I said, our time is precious. And I think having a 20, like a really solid campaign. And if I like games that let you choose the difficulty, because then if you want to run through a game, you can do it fast. But if you really want the challenge, you have that option too. I think Final Fantasy VII Remake did this where they had several different modes. And I thought that was pretty great. They had a classic mode, they had an easy mode, and then they have the hard mode. And you can do any one that you want. And sometimes if you go back there and you really enjoy it, if you are if you only have time to run through the, through the easy campaign, you can. But if you wanted a little bit more challenge, you're a seasoned gamer, you can do the harder thing. Uh, another thing that's great from Immersion, not for me, but I'm sure a lot of people, is 
a mode easier than easy has been getting added to uh, a lot of games over the past couple of years. I've been seeing it more and more, and that's story mode, Woo! where you pretty much are god mode. You're, you're just there for the story. You're not going to struggle with the gameplay elements. You're not going to struggle with death. You're just there for the story, and having that as an accessibility option is I'm in favor of it, favor of it becoming more common. Yeah, and I like. When I play it, I like a little amount of challenge. I do like to get God mode on my own. I do like to blast through things, but I feel like I earn it because I... Yeah, not all games work. allow you to level up, though. Yeah, but games that don't allow you to level up that are hard just for the sake of being hard. Like, I don't know if Dark Souls or something like that would be a game for me because I have patience problems and... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I also have rage issues. <laughs> So I think I would just also, get, yes. <laughs> I think I would just get really mad at that game rather than enjoy it. But that's not for me. That's for people who are more hardcore. But if I ever wanted to experience the story, I wouldn't be able to. I guess I could just watch a let's play and watch somebody die a million times, or watch somebody who's really really good at it. I suppose. On YouTube, there's usually people that cut it down to just story elements and cutscenes and stuff like that so i mean then i don't actually get to play it at all too but i i do enjoy playing games that's the thing i don't want to just watch games all the time i would like to actually play them again if i have the time to do it but if i had something like that i probably would not be able to play it because i wouldn't get very far and i would feel frustrated with it that's just me thinking that i I have not actually tried dark souls because i've seen what it does to people and i know if you want to give it a shot no no i know my anger (laughs) Um, see, I, I, I lived at a time where you would play Ninja Gaiden, the original, and that sort of thing was brutal. And I had time back then, that and the original Ghost of Goblins. Did you have patience back then? <laughs> no, I never beat either of those games <laughs> because frustration. But if it's frustrating, it kind of takes me out too, if I'm having a problem with it. I like... One of the things I do enjoy about things that are uh, the more modern games is the ability to change the difficulty level within a level. Because if I'm getting stuck in an area and I really just can't get through it, and I'm like, I, I've spent so much time on this area, I just gonna, I want to be able to get through it. You could squit when you could switch the mode and go into an easier level and just power through it. Um, I like that too because if you're if you um you, you underestimate the time that you have or underestimate your skill level. It gives you an ability to fix that. Or if it's just unbalanced or some, some missions are a little harder than they need to be and don't, don't really balance with the rest of the game. That's, that's happened a few times to me. I feel like that takes care of any difficulty spice. Oh my God. If they had that back in the day with Zelda (laughs) two death mountain. (laughs) From, From what I heard, the doom eternal DLC they have uh, the difficulties ramped up a bunch. So if you play the game on normal, which we did, if you go into the DLC, it's pretty much hard mode right from the get-go. So playing on easy is pretty much like playing on no- normal for the regular campaign. Yeah, I mean... I'll, I'll probably play that on easy when we get to it. Yeah, just to get, well, because we want to get through it. Um, I feel like in that additional immersion issue, like, like you said, does playing a game... Making a game longer make it better. I don't know. No, <sighs> not for me. For some people, I'm sure. But but if it's just longer to make it longer, that that pulls me out. I can't stay invested in it when I'm starting to see a lot of repetitiveness and yeah. fluff. Yeah, I mean, long games can be good, and just like short games can be good. I mean, sometimes it's better to tell a condensed story and get more out of it 
I feel like a lot of the, in a lot of these immersive games, I think uh, I've seen the main story is incredibly immersive because it is a shorter campaign. Usually in these, in the shorter games, it's a shorter campaign because you can only calculate so many different aspects, you know, like, you know, so many different aspects of a game. I mean, how long was Outer Worlds? It was about 30 hours, but it was a fitting 30 hours from what I thought. There wasn't. It wasn't a like a 90 hour game. Nope. Sorry, but a lot of people, that was the biggest complaint about that game was the fact that it was so short. Whereas for me, it being 30 hours, that was perfect for an RPG for me. Uh, what games are, like, what are some of the longer games? Like out there, some longest games. I've, Red Dead Redemption is a long game. Skyrim, obviously, any of the Elder Scrolls games are extremely long. Assassin's Creed games could be pretty, pretty long now, I think. I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game since Black Flag. I think i Black bought Flag. syndicate but it was so so buggy i that's where i stopped i think all right so i'm looking at the ultimate game list of the longest hours let's see or le- longest games uh 48 hours average length for fire emblem and three houses red Dead redemption 48 hours monster hunter world 50 hours that's pretty much all end game isn't it well no actually it says let alone 50 hours if you technically you can if you're only in it for the story not the end game grind so you can't really beat Monster Hunter World, apparently. Uh, Breath of the Wild is a 50-hour game because, I mean, the open-world games tend to be longer. Uh, Stardew Valley. I'm, I'm trying to get away from games that are clearly endgame that you can play endlessly, like Animal Crossing. That game's never going to end. Yeah. Uh, the Witcher, 52 hours, and uh, s- stuff like that. Octopath Traveler, supposedly 60 hours. That's a long game, <laughs> but... It's a campaign that's spread out between eight playable characters. Now, 68 hours for Divinity Original Sin. So these are pretty long games. Not saying that, like I said, long games can't be fun, but you can also... I like games that you can walk away from and come back and not be lost. And I feel like Octopath Traveler does that so far. I mean, they tell the story in chapters and they give you a... If you haven't played the game in a while, you can go back and have them retell the story to you and be like, and it gives you a recap. It gives you I a think recap. Dragon Quest does that too, where you can actually uh, jump back into it and it gives you a recap of what, what's happening and what's going on in the game so you could continue where you left off. I think it's Dragon Quest. Yeah, that that's pretty great. So things that really, really take you out, like instantly. We already know that if <laughs> something ridiculous in the storyline comes up and I can't accept it, <laughs> um. <laughs> For me, it's yeah. the, the things that I just mentioned before, along with bugs in the game, where you have really terrible bugs, such as Cyberpunk. That I was one of the millions of people, I'm sure, that bought that game when it released and refunded it shortly after just because of the mess that it was when it came out. Yeah. I um, On my end, I, if it has something really, like, really bad voice acting, I can't deal. <laughs> if their voice acting is just so bad like i think that's a huge thing in jrpgs like when the when the dialogue is just so hokey i expect some cheese when i play games like that but when <laughs> chaos i have to kill chaos i'm i chaos. that completely turned me off to final fantasy origins i'm like this is ridiculous i, I can't i can't <laughs> I, I can't accept this like i mean you could play a drinking game with just that trailer of what they were showing dead. And you'd be dead. If you Do you want to every- die? If you want to die, then play a drinking game with that trailer. <laughs> Chaos. 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 
yeah, I, I, anything that's like stupid or mindless or if it's chaos. when I have to worry about inconsequential things that I don't care about when characters are poorly written, when there's a <laughs> when the evil guy gets away because he's a, like, if you're going to have your bad guy survive, I would rather you do like like a deus ex machina, write something in that saves the character. I don't freaking care. That's better than, oh, I was a twig or splinter yeah oh my god i can't i can't it was just bad all right i have to look that up as soon as we're done with this podcast yeah you could just watch it and be like this is this this is real life this is not fantasy this is a thing (laughs) even though it's final fantasy somebody thought this was a good idea yeah pretty much yep yep anyway so finally when we get to the end of this do you think immersion is just a bunch of bullshit or do you think it's an actual thing I think when they talk about it at at convention uh, conventions such as E3, the way they use it there and in conferences, yeah, a lot of it's bullshit. When it comes to video games, it, it it's it, it really does enhance the experience. I do believe it's a it, it exists. It's not just BS, but there's few games that get it right all around. That doesn't have something that's immersion breaking in some matter for me. But no, I'm I'm a believer. <laughs> I'm a believer. Well, I really think any good game can be immersive if, if it's done right. And I don't think it's about having an effect on the game. Of, because you, if you are playing the game, if you're playing a game and you're into it, you are immersed. Even if you don't get to choose your own adventure kind of thing, you are still in charge of the story. You are the character. You're taking the character through the story. So I don't think necessarily making choices makes a game immersive or not. I feel like your experience and everything that all the details put into it. I'm going to bring up Overcooked again, just because it's ridiculous because it's not a game you would consider something that was immersive. But if you put it on pause and you take a look at everything going on around you, there's so many details to each kitchen that these developers obviously put thought into these games. Like in Nino Kuni, the hand-drawn look, the Studio Ghibli style everything having their own reaction and the world's feeling lived in and alive the details really that that's pretty much how i get immersion out of a game if how you get there matters there are plenty of different games out there that offer the variety that you're looking for but i feel like any game that really grabs you and pulls you in could be immersive but again mileage may vary again I also think it's just a buzzword thrown around to sell video games that yeah. overthink themselves. Like anything that's just in the cooker, definitely. Like, oh, look at this. You could see the blades of the grass and <laughs> I will always quote the foliage. That. The foliage. Look at the foliage. Like who A pretty game doesn't make it immersive. Can I just say that? A pretty game doesn't make it immersive. No, it could. It could play matches again. All the elements need to be there. Yeah, all the elements do need to be there. But it... going to the controller, you haven't played Astro, I don't believe the one for the PS5. Mm-mm. But they nail it with the immersion in that game. Talking about the blades of the grass when you're walking on grass versus glass versus rocks, the rumble in the controller is different throughout, and it actually it actually resembles the actual surfaces, which is it's done really really well. Astro. A launch game for the PS5 that came with the PS5. That one does it better than anything else out there on the, on the console. You know, I I actually have two examples where um, mechanics 
not just mechanics, but just style of create game creation could really add to the immersion. And I thought I forgot to mention this, but sound effects here, are two ways that Nintendo did it. One was a really good way. And one of them was a not so good way. So Animal Crossing New Horizons, I don't know if they had in the previous, I can't remember, but this is the one I'm playing more, most recently. When your character is walking on grass, they sound like they're walking on grass. If you have them walking on pavement and you transition to pavement, it makes a different sounds. If you change their shoes, it makes different sounds. Like they really nailed the sound effects in that game. Yeah. The walking. I, I always like, comment on that when I'm watching you play because I can't have my own island. I think that... <laughs> Bitter. <laughs> but I think that's cool. I think that adds the immersion. Uh, it does. On the other hand, the original Skyward Sword, which is coming out as a remake on the Switch on the 15th? Yay! I have my pre-order. It's coming. I'm excited. But And the, the Amiibo. Oh, yeah, and the Amiibo, because I'm a chump. I'll buy anything that Nintendo throws at me. Except for the... Except for <laughs> the game the watch. Console? Screw it. I wanted... I wanted, I wanted the ports of uh, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker to be on the Switch so I didn't have to bring out the Wii if I wanted to play the HD remasters. Anyway. It'll be on the Switch Pro. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but Skyward Sword and the Wii Motion. Oh, God. The motion controls. That was something. What? You didn't like those? I. Oh, I love those. They were perfect. Everything but about them. But didn't that make it more Im- immersive? No, 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 no. They ruined the game. felt like you're right in the game. Yeah. Because it worked if really well. Link's arm wasn't freaking stuck up in the air half the time. And like, uh, swiping down and you're trying to slash things and it just doesn't work. Uh, I, w- I, w- I wish this was a video podcast because Sarah's over there doing all the motions as in holding her arm in the air for that and just jabbing her computer monitor. Yep. <laughs> Yep. No. You didn't break anything, did you? No, I didn't break anything. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm really looking forward to this remaster on, and I called it when they said they were going to, like I, I called that they were going to do a remaster of Skyward Sword. That is a game that I could have enjoyed more if they worked out all the kinks in the motion controls because the motion controls killed that experience for me. So I'm I, I'm not a huge fan of motion controls in general. I could just throw that out there. But that's probably because I didn't have any good experience with motion controls. Though I did play uh well with VR, the the Darth Vader series, um the the Star Wars series Vader Immortal yeah Vader Immortal I played through I did get Beat Saber too that's yeah Beat Saber it's that's like Star Wars yeah I I get really upset when stuff doesn't work but that stuff it it was fine with motion controls however with the Wii plus motion controller not so good ruined my experience but I feel like that was a could have been a very good Zelda game so I'm really excited to play the game again with better controls hopefully but it's Nintendo, so they may not surprise me and screw this one up too. <laughs> I think I think they're gonna get it right. I really how hope. How hard so. can it be to add nah. swinging controls? And how hard could it be to have more than one island? <laughs> I guess it's a big game and blah blah blah. Nintendo apologist. <laughs> Oof. Oof. That's, yikes! That's me. Sorry. Uh, that's what I should be editing out. <laughs> nope leave it in there i love nintendo i'm a huge nintendo fan unfiltered yes the life podcast i could love nintendo, nintendo hears about it i love nintendo and except i don't have to love everything that they do like completely ignore the zelda anniversary and just give us 
nothing. Give us a game and watch. It's crap. <laughs> so, any last words on immersion? Any last words on immersion? I think we pretty much covered it. Yep. <laughs> so, what game are you immersed in now? Good question. I played some more Ghost of Tsushima. Tsushima. That, that is what spurned this idea. It was the immersion. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's what I'm playing now. That that game I could get into. Uh, something that I could be crucified for. I love the game. I, I'm really enjoying it. But if I had to de- define the game in a simple phrase, it's possibly the best Assassin's Creed game that I've ever played. <laughs> that's not that's not a bad thing. But I don't, game of the year worthy? I, I I don't know. If I have to go and save any more people from these cages, I mean that that falls into those those quests that are very repetitive. Yes. But no. Stupid best AI. Assassin's Creed game or one of the best Assassin's Creed games I've ever played, and I'm really enjoying it. Other than that, I decided to play a little bit of the game Brutal Legend for some reason with Jack Black. <laughs> and it is yeah. beyond that's the same the same people double fine who made Psychonauts. So I ended up jumping into Brutal Legend, and I got stuck into that game for a good two or three hours somehow the day that I started it. I thought it was only 20 or 30 minutes. So it's a lot of fun. The Tim Schafer, I think his name is, the guy that runs Double Fine, he's got some stuff going in, going on in his head, which is kind of crazy, and I kind of love it. And I wish I'd jumped into these games sooner when they released 10, 20 years ago. But there's Brutal Legend, which I got pulled into, and I'm going to probably play that alongside with the first first Psychonauts and uh, Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, Tsushima, which I'm enjoying, and it's probably going to be my go-to single single player game for a little bit until Little Nightmares Two goes on sale. <laughs> One can dream. What about you, Sarah? What are you playing? I'm still playing Octopath Traveler. <laughs> But that's okay. That Now that I've realized it's going to be like a 70-hour game, you guys are going to hear me saying that a lot. But I do like to put a lot of time into the campaign. I might not do all the side quests and stuff like that if I need to get to the next thing. However, with uh, Skyward Sword around the corner, that might change. Though I do, I think that Octopath Traveler is pretty easy to pick up. With Zelda, I might just crash right through. Yeah, I really got to say that I'm kind of proud of you because with you still playing Octopath Traveler, that means you're sticking with the same game. You haven't <laughs> you haven't jumped onto something else yet. Well, like I, I just kind of threw myself under the bus there. Yeah, you did. But here's 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 the real test. When Skyward Sword comes out, will you go back into Octopath Traveler after you play it, or will you just I'll well, get back to it and then a year later, like Luigi's Mansion or whatever whatever look, else you played the in the last year. Uh <laughs> Paper Mario Okay, okay, okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I own Skyward Sword. I don't own Octopath Traveler since that is a uh, Game Pass game. I probably just should play through that and get it'll it be on Game Pass for a while still, though. Still, don't don't tell me that because I'll stop playing and I'll jump into Skyward Sword. It depends on my hype. I've already played and beaten Skyward Sword, so mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm not chomping at the bit to play it. When you when you do get Skyward Sword, are you going to play with the motion controls just to see if they got it got it right this time? Oh yeah, I, I have a I fully plan on doing that. Though I've never actually used the Joy Cons straight up. I I'm more of a fan of using controllers, so of yeah. course I have a Pro controller. She just got the Pikachu 
edition of the Hori controller. The split uh, pad attached controller. It for the, yeah, the split pad pro. Oh yeah. And it, and that controller doesn't have the vibration, so you gotta love it. Oh yes, I do. I just like it because it's more comfortable on my hands when I play it, and and um, it's very comfortable, and it doesn't make my hands to go numb. Because I would play, I play for hours when I'm sitting in my bed. If the baby's sleeping and I get a couple extra hours to myself, sometimes I have to turn off all the lights in the room and just sit there. And the best thing for me to do is turn down the volume or put my headphones on and play, you know, switch. And that's what I do. So if I'm playing it in handheld mode, the regular version just hurts my hands. So I bought the split pad, the Hori split pad with Pikachu. And I think that's a lot more comfortable. Okay, so that's what I'm playing now, and that's what you're playing now. Together, we didn't play anything. We didn't have any time to play games together this week, but if we had time to play anything... You suck. I know. Maybe we could play Overcooked this weekend coming up. Overcooked? Well, we, oh, damn us for uh, being pa- good parents. <laughs> why Overcooked? What, what, what's the uh, the reason for the return to Overcooked? We still have Halo 3 to play. I know we still have Halo 3 to play, but I want to get through that DLC before the new DLC drops. Because we that still have drop a- for another month look, and a half. Look, it has pirate ships, and I want to finish it. It probably will take us less time to play through the pirate ships than it will play take to play through Halo Three. It's not like I don't love playing Halo Three. I do, but I feel like um, we played through Halo Two and got through that, and we do no, want to get through Halo Three. And we here's got to- what's going to happen: if we push off uh, on Overcooked, the DLC is going to drop, and we're still going to have to play the deal the uh, the one DLC we haven't played yet. What's yeah. that called? I don't remember. It's something with the pirate ships, but it's not. Is that the the ever peckish? It is the ever peckish. Yes, I'm a bigger overcooked fan. No, you're not. That's I'm true. Gonna, I'm gonna yeet cake at you, <laughs> and I'll yeet tea at you. I'm so excited. This so, is made for Sarah. I know. I'm so pumped. Uh, I am a little obsessed with that game. <laughs> um, as far as things we played with our kids, we haven't played anything with the kids lately because. Luke's been into dance parties lately. No, but we we finished Luca. Yeah, we did finish Luca. Finally, that took us a week. <laughs> yeah. So right now it's just uh playing solo the last week. Yeah. So the, with uh with our kids, we since they're at a certain age and uh, our kids are both teething. Luke's getting his two ear molars and Reese is getting his regular teeth. Uh, it makes it really difficult to put them down for bed at a normal time. We've just been passing out. So, hello, parents. We see you. We hear you. We feel you. Yes. We know. We know what it's like. So, hopefully, this podcast immersed you. <laughs> but, yep. Until next time, I'm Sarah. I'm Mike. The website is Still Alive Podcast. And we don't have a catchphrase yet. So, it's whatever Sarah says. Yeah, stay alive until next time. Stay alive.